0: said to Noah and to his sons with him as for me i am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you the birds the domestic animals and every animal of the earth with you as many as came out of the ark i establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I will make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds... The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the delightful benefits that uh, Tita and I enjoy living at the beach outside of Charleston is we have the advantage of being able to have a great vista to see all manner of rainbows when they appear in the east or in the west And every time I see a rainbow, it brings with it a renewed sense of joy and wonder and fascination. I want to take a picture, it seems like, of every rainbow I see, thinking they're all different, but they all basically are the same and look alike in many ways. I used to have on my uh, cell phone for many years as my wallpaper a photo that I'd taken driving over Ben Sawyer. Uh, causeway out to Sullivan's Island I took a picture of an incredible double rainbow and I'm sure you've probably seen those as well well the rainbow reminds me of uh, a year we lived in Scotland our first child had been born so we had an infant in arms and Tita and I were living and studying in Edinburgh Scotland but it came time for spring break for new college And so we decided that we would make an excursion to uh, the Lake District in northern England, one of the most beautiful and tranquil spots in all of the earth. The Lake District, if you've ever been there, uh, it has been the home of some of the greatest poets and writers in English history. People like Wordsworth and Coleridge and Southey and Beatrix Potter that uh, writes about Peter Rabbit. And so we set out for our trip to the Lake District, and we arrived late one afternoon. We were staying in the little picturesque village of Windermere, right on one of the lakes. And uh, we planned the next day to go on a boat and bus excursion throughout the whole Lake District and just see its beauty. We had hoped that the sun would be out when we got up the next morning. So we were just somewhat distressed when we woke up and we couldn't see the sun. And uh, it was very cloudy. The weather report was not very encouraging. We were concerned because on this boat, it was an open deck. And so having our young infant with us, we didn't want to have to battle the elements while he was with us on this tour. So we boarded the boat on Lake Windermere. And we watched in disappointment as all these misty clouds came in and darker clouds seemed to be on the horizon. And we thought this may ruin our trip for us. But then as the boat made its way out onto the lake, we observed a miracle taking place right in front of us, right before our eyes, because the sun for a brief moment broke through the clouds. And in all that mist, we saw the most incredible rainbow that we had ever seen at least I don't remember one quite that lovely and I was just kind of blown away by this entire experience I wonder if it was maybe an experience like this that inspired one of the late poets as they are called Wordsworth to pen these immortal lines my heart leaps up when I behold a rainbow in the sky so was it when my life began so is it now I am a man so be it when I grow old or let me die and so it was amazing as we stood there on the deck of that boat and this incredible rainbow appeared we could see the plush green hills all of the azaleas blooming along the shoreline all of this beneath a canopy of color I still remember the sailboats that were sailing that morning. Brilliant white sails and colored sails framed by this charcoal sky with the dark clouds in the distance. It was just an incredible sight. If I'd had a cell phone back then, I would certainly have taken a picture of that rainbow. There's something encouraging about the fact that humanity has found no way to make some kind of utilitarian use of the rainbow I mean we've harnessed the brook that flows through the mountains to make power we have stripped the mountains of their garment of greenery we've split the atom and we've studied it and use it both to heat and to harm but so far human beings have found no way to put the rainbow to some utilitarian purpose unless it be to use it as the source of a poem or maybe a preacher to use it in a sermon like today. But it's a wonderful reminder that God is giving to Noah and his descendants, to all the beasts of the earth. And if you noticed in the text, even a reminder to himself, God is saying, this is, when I see the rainbow, when you see the remainder, this is a rem- reminder of our covenant. Never again will the whole earth be destroyed in this manner? I imagine the rainbows we observe were not unlike the same rainbow that Noah and his sons observed when they were finally on dry ground. And Noah saw and heard the message of the rainbow. Now you're probably thinking at home, did the preacher just say he heard the rainbow? Yeah, that is what I said. You see, anyone can see a rainbow. If you have the gift of sight, you can see it. But not everyone hears the message that the rainbow brings to our earth and to each of us. And I think we could all benefit every now and then from being reminded of the message of the rainbow for us and for others. To begin with, I think the rainbow gives us a message of hope for the entire world, all the world. You and I know well the climate of despair that festers within us and around us. There seems to be so many incredible, difficult problems facing the entire world, critical problems that almost defy some kind of resolution, continuing threats of terrorism from the right and the left, abroad and now at home, the uncertainty of global markets, The continuing threat of global warming, climate change, whatever you want to call it. The continuing loss of more and more habitats that are needed to sustain life for many species. The growing risk of fascism that's raising its ugly head once again in former democracies around the world. The widening chasm between the right and the left on the political spectrum. The growing disparity between the haves and the have-nots, the rich and the poor, the overfed and the malnourished. Evelyn Underhill, the British writer in one of her books, spoke of modern society as living under a cloud without a rainbow. Without a rainbow. And certainly the strain and tension of modern life is enough to blot out both the sight and the sound Of the rainbow who of us has not wondered where is God in the midst of all these trials and tragedies and difficulties is God still there is God present with us now as God was present with Noah are the promises of God effective in our day as they were for Noah and yet throughout its history the constant repetition of the church of the biblical record of the gospel is a conviction that this world belongs to God as Kevin reminded us this morning and God has a plan we're not always privy to that plan we wonder what it is sometime but the earth belongs to God and God is ultimately in control of what's going to happen whether we can see that or not and the ultimate proof of God's control and of God's love for his earth, his creatures, and his creation is the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, who by his life, death, and resurrection has demonstrated once for all just how much God loves this creation that God brought about. And God loves us so much that he is unwilling to let the earth be destroyed by our wicked and stupid choices and devices as men and women of faith we refuse to believe that the earth the world is out of God's control that this is an orphan world bereft of the care of some guy who really or some God who really cares for the world and cares for us we refuse to believe that the earth has been turned over to some horned and hoofed creature and all this evil and malice is this creature's doing We dare to believe that behind the world and above it and under it and within it lie the purposes of a providential and benevolent God. And even when tragedies happen, we dare to believe and to proclaim that God can use even the worst of things to do the best of things, that God can use even our stupid choices and selfless acts somehow to bless us and to bless others. As the psalmist put it, God makes even the wrath of man to praise him. So the message of the rainbow is that God cares for this world and God cares for us. As one hymn writer put it, this is my father's world. I rest me in the thought. So our world belongs to God. Several years ago, near Christmas, I received a letter from an old friend who was the mayor of a little town in the mountains of North Carolina, Laurel Park at the time, and he thought I might know the source of a hymn that he was looking for. At least he thought it was a hymn or a Christmas song or a carol or something. He said, but he w- when he was in college, uh, his history professor told this story of how a hymn was written or a poem was written that became a hymn. And it showed how God can use even tragedies to bless him and can bring good out of evil. Well, I couldn't remember. I didn't know the source of that. I kind of looked through the hymn book to see if one of the carols there prompted a memory, and it didn't. But a few weeks later, he wrote back, and he said, I went and found my old class notes, and I found what I was looking for. It was a poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, one of America's best-loved poets, It was written in 1864, shortly after one of his sons was killed in the Battle of the Civil War. And this poem that he wrote reflects on this and his experience. And it reveals the despair he's tempted to turn to and ultimately how his faith brought him around. And this was the poem that he wrote, and you will recognize it, I'm sure. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then comes the status that reflects his threatening despair. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But finally, the poet recovers and his faith sustains him as the poem concludes in what came to be known as Christmas Bells. Then peal the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. My friends, if we listen for the rainbow, we will hear a message of hope for the entire creation. And secondly, if we hear what the rainbow may be saying, as we see it visibly, then we may just hear a message of hope for God's people, let us say for the church, if you will. There is always a faithful remnant of that preserves its allegiance, its obedience, its trust in the Lord, even when many turn away. Of course, it's fashionable to criticize the church and the church deserves our criticism. We critique it from inside its walls and outside its walls and we recognize why people are often frustrated with the church because so often we ignore the problems right under our feet and we're all absorbed with things internal and we forget the ultimate reason for our calling. We have all these divisions and cliques within this and every church that are denial of what God wants for his people and an in, in encouragement to warring classes and nations and people so divided. But we need to remember when we're criticizing the church that this is a flawed instrument of God The church will never be perfect, never has been perfect, because the church is composed of flawed people like you and me. The only way to get into the church is to confess your own sins and admit you're not all that you should be. Hopefully, we're not all that we were, but neither are we all that we could be by the grace of God. And we need to keep that ever before us, especially as we move into an uncertain future. So the church will not be flawed until all of its members are. Will not be flawless till all of its members are flawless, and we're never likely to reach that state this side of the grave. The critics of the church forget forget this so often, and expect us to be perfect, and critique us when we're not. And they forget we're always somewhat blind and somewhat bigoted. And our conduct is never fully a credit to the one we claim to be following. And yet despite her flaws and her failings, the Christian church throughout its history has initiated all kinds of revolutions and liberation, liberating movements among men and races and people. There has always been, even throughout the checkered history of the church, a faithful remnant that trusted in God and remained obedient despite the circumstances around them. Noah and his family were the remnant of their day. And no doubt when they saw the flood, they would recall that God still remembered them, that God was still present, that God's promises were still operating throughout the earth in spite of the wickedness of the world in Noah's day God remembered Noah that's one of the most encouraging verses I think in all the scriptures in 6-8 of Genesis in 8-1 we read that God remembered Noah the world itself could be going to hell but here was someone who was trying to live a godly life and God remembered Noah Noah The church needs to know that God remembers us when we're tempted to despair over the future of our congregation or the future of our denomination or the future of so-called God-believing people in America. When we seem to be so at odds with what we profess as people of faith, we need to know that God still remembers those who dare to be faithful and obedient even though they're going against the stream. The church has been a great liberating movement throughout its history and will be so again as we help people cope with a lot of the changes and choices around us so that we can find perhaps a message for God's people that faithful remnant that always exists and so the rainbow reminds us that there's hope for the world there's hope for God's people and lastly maybe more importantly there's hope for us too it's, there's hope for us and our little families like Noah and his family we need something sometimes a bit more personal in order to live with hope and we now need to know that in God's sight at least our work matters that God values us and loves us even when we fall on our face and make mistakes as we often do God's love and grace are still there to sustain us and encourage us and bring us round. We will go through our moods of doubt and despair like anyone else. Sometimes we become discouraged because we're caught up in the grip of some addiction or some habit we can't seem to break. Maybe the church and we as individuals tire of the effort it takes to reject evil and do good to continue to work for the will of God when it seems like so many around us are not at all interested in that. We need to know, like Noah and his sons needed to know, that God remembers and God notices and that's all that ultimately matters. There's hope for the individual. The rainbow reminds us of that. One believer who heard the message of the rainbow, like Longfellow put his thoughts in a poem that became one of the best-loved hymns of English-speaking people. It, too, was born of tragedy and heartache. It was written by a Scottish minister by the name of Dr. George Matheson. He was a blind pastor in Scotland. And he didn't admit it at the time, but later it was revealed that what prompted writing this hymn was that the woman he loved and to whom he was engaged to be married finally decided that because of his blindness, she couldn't marry him. And so in the course of about five minutes, he wrote this hymn that we all know, O Love That Will Not Let Me Go, thinking of the love of God, not the love of this woman that he loved. And one of his stanzas that appears even in our hymn book, if you want to look it up later, it's hymn number 833. Matheson writes, O oh joy that seeketh me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain and feel the promise is not in vain that mourn shall tearless be. Friends, do you need to hear a rainbow this morning? I don't know what's going on in your individual life. I understand some of what's going on in the world and the nation and our families that are often stressed. But maybe we need to hear a message of hope this morning for us and for ours, for our church and for our world. I was packing my pickup truck to return to uh, Greensboro from going home for a few days this week. And I noticed on the South Carolina license plate, the state motto, and I'd never noticed it before. It's in English, uh, thankfully. Uh, If it were in Latin, it would be doom, Sparrow, Spiro. And what it means, and what's written on the license plate is, while I breathe, I hope. And I thought to myself, after preparing the sermon and looking at the uh, license plate, The reverse of that may be equally true. While I hope I live. If we don't have some measure of life, of hope, as we make our our way through this world, as individuals, as families, as churches, as nations, as a world, then it's very hard to carry on with life. But God gives us hope, and the rainbow is the sign of that. Let us pray. By your grace and power, O Lord, we have been created and redeemed and sustained. Help us to live in the knowledge of this grace and power that hope may abide within us and within the church and within the world of yours. For we ask all of this in the name of him who is the chief reason for our hope, even Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.